0: I'm Lacey. And I'm Kippen. We're two friends who love to get lost inside a great story. And we're welcoming you to our own little book club. This is One Page More, a podcast.
1: Hello. Okay. All right. We're going to do this thing. The name of this episode is Done is Better Than Perfect. Because... I, everything on that computer was like broken. I could not figure anything
0: out. This is your your normal
1: uh, desktop, like. Yeah, well, it's Jared's gaming computer. I like to record from his my like our laptop when we can, but it's not here. So I tried. It was like all all the USB imports were broken for some like somehow
0: well, here's the problem whenever we're doing this and, like, one of us doesn't have a phone and then if my... You've probably never seen my laptop, but it has, like, a huge black screen running, like, on, like, half of the computer. (laughs) So I've got to, like, minimize and, like, I'm trying to get back and forth on the... Anyways, so... Well.
1: (laughs) This is a Bobo production, y'all. We are trying.
0: (laughs) Um, So, and then even, like, this is our second season so we should be well equipped I feel that we are not <laughs> what can you do
1: seriously anyway welcome to season two uh today we're going to be talking about the vanishing half by Britt Bennett
0: all right are you ready to dive in
1: I am. So you want to give us like a little synopsis? Sure.
0: Uh, the Vanishing Half is about two. Well, it starts off about two identical um, twin sisters named Stella and Desiree. They live in a really small town um, that is inhabited pri- or only by biracial uh, individuals. And they really... Um, put emphasis on whiteness and how um, each one of them basically wants to get with a more and more white person so that their children are kind of evolving into this, um, just basically white passing. Um, And then it talks about their lives and then eventually both of them have a daughter and how their lives kind of ebb and flow in and out of each other. And a lot of really uh, difficult themes are brought up throughout it.
1: Yeah. From the top, like the strangest thing, not strange, but interesting thing is this book takes place. This book is very scoping. Like it starts in the, I mean, there's things going all the way back to like the fifties from when the twins are children all the way to the early nineties and Mallard, the town where they're from, like everyone there identifies as colored and it's like I mean, you can see that even in the way we're talking about it, the change in how we've talked about race and how that's evolved over time, because we look at them as biracial, but they look at themselves as black, even though they're all super light skinned and they all want to be super light skinned in that town. They still see themselves as um, only and solely black, Um so my rating for this book would be like a solid probably four. I thought it was four stars. It was really good. The The first half is a little slower and it's, again, very scoping novel. Like you're going to go all over the place. And I just, I wasn't expecting a lot of the little twists in this book, but I thought it was beautifully written and it reminded me of like a Toni Morrison book and I thought it was great.
0: I, I've been thinking on this because I enjoyed the book, but I, I also had, and I'll talk about it more throughout, I think I'm going to give it like a three and a half. It was definitely well written, but also I like really harsh subject matter throughout the whole book kind of just left me really sad because there was just so much, um, just a lot of hard things that they tackled and that they kept going through. So I felt... I don't know. I felt really sad reading it, which I guess no, is the point.
1: <laughs> I totally get that. And I think the reason why I like this book is because there was that raw honesty in it where I could see these characters living in real life and I can see them making these choices for real and it's not this like even though there is kind of a fantastical whimsical place that they're from mallard which is not real it still feels very real all of the i don't know all of the little things that they go through it's like okay i can see these people i can really understand where they're coming from um i was lazy and i barely took any notes (laughs) I
0: uh, i took pretty good notes so I read the first 50 pages before the baby was born and I did not read or take any notes, which now I'm like, that was so dumb. Because the first, so I'm going to, I might skim over that, but like yeah. the latter part, I took probably way too many notes. So,
1: <laughs> okay. So just starting off. Oh, and Penelope is here. We're so excited that our little co-host has been born safely and happily. And she's so cute. Um, but so in the very beginning of the book, you have... Desiree and Stella who are like total opposites um and Desiree is desperate to get out of Mallard Um, I guess mainly it's just like because it's a small town and they feel like they're going nowhere and they want something that's exciting and Stella is super smart bookish um and their mother raised them she is actually like kind of descended from the the founder of this town but then she ended up marrying their father who was a good man but he was kind of like from the wrong side of the tracks according to everyone in Mallard and his family had, a, had the town bar so they were like looked down upon a little bit but he was actually lynched in front of the girls when they were super young like four or five um, and you also see how hard they all struggle even though they're in this town where everyone is kind of evenly yoked because of their race i feel like it was interesting that they there still was like a lot of poverty and they still really struggled even if you know does that make sense like it feels like they should have had their own little microcosm or maybe they could have had more and had more options but it's just not the case like they still were leaving mallard to get work and like work for the white people in louisiana like around them
0: well even the while they lived in mallard that's exactly what they were doing the mama what i think she cleaned houses and that kind of thing and the girls uh later in the book we find out it was played like a major part in stella why she decided to leave mallard i think they were like what like 12 or 13 and they're cleaning people's like white people maybe was it like a mayor or something they're cleaning their houses i what i so as soon as we as soon as it really explained mallard i was so kind of caught up in this like idea because right away they start talking about like dark skinned people and and it's this like um this huge concept of like, oh, if you marry a black person, your kids are going to be uglier. They're going to be probably abused more. They're going to have like, you know, you would be stupid because you need to be with white. Like, you know, and I just kept thinking about this, like this, you know, dark skin versus light skin. Like it just sounds insane whenever, you know, you're just like reading about this like mentality. What did you think about that? I think that was like obviously a huge part of the book,
1: but It really did make me so sad, especially when, like I said, just because they were light skinned they down upon as black people and their father was still lynched, even though he could have probably passed as a white man because he was so light. So it's like uh, I did. I just didn't. Yeah, it, it was hard to read about how toxic that was. And then later when Desiree's daughter comes into play that really just like broke my heart It was so sad but it is something that like i've heard of and like you hear about like having good hair and being lighter skinned and how i mean that's all over the world in lots of different cultures like staying out of the sun so you don't get dark and i don't know i i definitely it really is so sad and it really broke my heart um
0: the one thing go ahead well i was just i mean this is i feel like we're just gonna be talking about (laughs) that like race not race but colorism expect like it is just so prominent throughout the book and it was just so weird to me how so uh, almost at the very beginning it talks about um what is desiree she marries this like really dark-skinned man and i mean right away she comes home to her mom after what like maybe six or seven years them together. And he was super abusive and yeah, this like concept like, Oh, well that's why he was abusive. Like you married a dark skinned man. Like he wasn't that he or the mom kept saying things like basically saying like he was jealous of you um, and that he, you know, he envied you and like, I I don't know. It was just so like, wow, I I know why she wrote it that way, but it made me almost annoyed that, you know, it wrote like Stella marries the white man who's like good to her. And then yeah. he marries, like, the dark-skinned black man who's, like, super
1: abusive. And I'm like, really? So, okay. So I should do a disclaimer that this is, like, two white ladies trying their best to talk yes. about race. Very right? true. So, like, <laughs> right. this is going to probably be clunky. And I apologize if I ever say anything offensive. It's not my intention. Um, I actually really respect the author for the way she did treat colorism in this book, because she's telling you through these characters, like what they're saying is dark is bad, light is good. Look at how much better Stella's life turned out because now she's white, or um, because people think she's white, or you know, all of the characters are saying like you're you're nicer if you're lighter, you're happier if you're lighter, all of these things. But then when you really take a look at the arc of the book and the actual choices that people make and their actual character, she totally turns it on her head. Where you do have that horrible man that um, Desiree ends up getting married to who is super dark, but it's like this twisted version where, yes, he's super dark, but he's also very successful. Okay. They live in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. He, like, works for the government. They have a good life. They have lots of friends, like, all these things, even though he is dark. And he actually, like, remember whenever they're fighting and they're having all these arguments, like, he calls her out thinking that, oh, you think you're better than me because you're light skin, blah, 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 blah. And so it's even inside him, like, maybe he does think that. Maybe he was jealous. You never know. And then later she has a relationship with Early, who is also a very dark-skinned man, but who is uneducated, unrefined, like, truly from the wrong side of the tracks. This gruff man but ends up being so good to her and such, like, a home and solace for her. And then you have her daughter, who's also super-duper dark, who was my favorite character in the entire book, like – she was such a good and loving person. Um,
0: she was about the only like great character to me, I would say. Because. Really
1: super likable character. She for sure.
0: really went after her dreams. It, I feel like I'm jumping ahead, but there was like a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot about her. So I'll, i try to keep it all to the side, but yeah. Right. Was, it, certain things I was kind of like, I know why you're writing it like this, but it still <laughs> makes me sad because I'm like, that's. I don't know. it's just uncomfortable. yeah it's no, really no
1: uncomfortable to read it, to read it and I, I think that's why I liked how she did it because even though it's like you say something but it doesn't make it a fact and like she showed all the many ways that these people were wrong. So really early on, Desiree basically is like, I've had enough because her mom makes them drop out of school um because they just need more money and she's like you're 16 now it's time to work and Stella's heartbroken because she really wanted to go to college Desiree is just like screw this I'm not doing this forever and they both run off in the middle of the night and they go to New Orleans and they kind of like get jobs and they're having like their little Laverne and Shirley moment and then they decide that Stella needs to get like a, a better job Um, so they can make a little bit more money and get their own place. And, but to do it, to be a secretary is what she wants her to do. She's got to pass as white. And so she goes in and she gets the job. And then as we find out, she just ends up disappearing. Like one day Desiree comes home and she finds a little note that's like, I got to go my own way, which is, I mean, Lacey has twins and I can't imagine, How devastating that would be just to be alone and you think you're on this adventure with your sister and you have no inclination that she's about to fly the coop big time.
0: What was also really interesting is – so these two sisters are said to be identical, but they really are – Their personalities are totally different. And so what what I thought was, you know, like an interesting little twist is Stella was the one that was like the very reserved. um, Like you said, she was very uh, intelligent. She was a lot less um, less likely to kind of like do something like this. And so she whenever she ends up being the one to do it versus like the much more outspoken and outgoing Desiree, it was kind of like even more of a shock where, you know, I guess maybe Desiree would have thought maybe she would have been that type of person. But yeah, that was so sad to me to think because as soon as she joined this like white world, she really had to cut everybody off because she couldn't have any trace of her for somebody to kind of be able to go back and like, Oh, well you're actually not white. Are you? So she just had to like abandon everything.
1: This is another weird kind of parallel that I thought was really interesting is Even though Stella is supposedly the smarter twin, the better um, student, and she's also really good specifically at math, whereas Desiree just kind of like skates by. Desiree ends up moving to D.C. and she marries Sam, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Is it Sam? Yes. Yeah. Um, her husband. But she ends up getting a job as a fingerprint, like, analysis Person, I don't know if they're right. Anyway, for the FBI. And she has this, like, very high-profile job. And she's super – she ends up loving her work and being really good at it. And on the flip side – and, of course, that doesn't last for long. And she has to go back home – kind of run back home with her tail between her legs. And she ends up working at a diner. But she doesn't end up just working at the diner. She basically ends up taking over the diner and it's like her place and like running it. Whereas you see Stella who had all this potential and it was so important to her. And even when she crosses over and becomes this white woman, which is supposed to be like the dream and like an easier life, she ends up totally like stunted. Like this bored housewife. Just a housewife. Who's terrified and, like, just uh, has a hard time connecting with anyone around her because she's constantly, like, living in fear. And so it totally, like, stunts every other part of her life, which I thought was really interesting. It's like, yes, Desiree had a harder life, but she had, in my opinion, a fuller life because – she had, like, real love with someone who really knew her. She had, like, a better relationship with her daughter. She got to be there for her mother, even if it was hard, you know?
0: Right. And and that's a good point because I, I kind of thought the same thing where Stella... So Stella whenever she became white she really did lose and sacrifice everything and and it kind of talks about a little bit how like basically she does it because she wants this better life and she falls in love with Blake who is at the time he was her boss while she was a secretary and you know and he he wants her to follow him up to Boston and so that's when she makes this decision but yeah she's never really happy what i thought was really interesting was, um, I I keep saying interesting, but the book was really, like, there were so many different themes, especially me as, like, a white person, probably wouldn't have thought about, or wouldn't have really, like, you know, wouldn't have any, like, personal, um, I don't know, dealings with, I guess, but whenever, you know, she's passed as white, and she's living in these really kind of swanky, like, suburbs in, um, I guess, outside of L.A., and their very first black family moves in across the street from her. And it starts talking about like how she's never really had like a friend and how she kind of um, at first she really, you know, she wants to put so much space between her and anything to do with black people. And like it talks about how Blake is even kind of like embarrassed by how like uh like her comments about how, you know, her being prejudiced and different little things, I was kind of like, okay, well, you know, I had some good black people in my life and like, I don't understand how, you know, and like kind of feeding into her the white trash swamp that she's (laughs) kind of meant to be. But I just, yeah, I, I felt the same way where she really didn't end up having a great life. Like she really just, she was white and she had the things that should have made her happy on paper, but yeah, she didn't really have a great relationship with Kennedy later on. She didn't really have a great relationship with Blake. Like you said, she was really bored and basically would talk about how she had nothing to do. She had no friends. It was or like she had friends, but they really weren't like people. She truly connected to it. was more like allowing people to be in her circle. So she didn't seem so isolated. Although in reality, she didn't relate to him at all. So yeah, she did live a sad little life.
1: Yeah, the first kind of quarter or half of this book, you're mainly hearing about Desiree's life. Stella's pretty much completely shrouded in mystery. You don't know where she is. Um, When Desiree comes back to Mallard, she brings her daughter, uh, Jude, with her. And Jude looks nothing like Desiree. She looks just like her dad and she's extremely dark. They describe her as being blue, black. Um, And so people are just horrible to her in Mallard, cruel, mean, don't want to be her friend. And Jude herself is this very kind of sweet, introverted, bookish girl who just puts her head down and can't wait to leave and Desiree kind of strings her along for years like Jude knew that her dad wasn't a good person but still like fantasizes about him coming and getting her just because Mallard is so horrible and so she eventually is a runner and she gets like a full ride scholarship to go to UCLA um, which is as far as she can get from Mallard and then she really I guess she doesn't come home again. Until her grandmother passes, you know, like probably eight years later. Um,
0: Which is very telling for her, you know,
1: as yes. it
0: talks about like all, you know, like we said, everybody in this book is biracial. Even she is because her mom is like almost like, you know, white passing yes. basically. And yet she's still in school. That also was really hard for me to read too. Whenever, um when it would write very specifically like racial slurs and things like was I can't even think of any. I'm you know I shouldn't be repeating them anyways, but you know it would be just like, like she the author really seriously like allowed you to feel for this like poor girl who like you said really was like tender hearted and like all she wanted was just to kind of be a kid and grow up and yet she's dealing with all of this like extreme um, prejudice just because she's
1: darker skinned than the rest of the kids in her class. And just the trauma that sinks in, like, she truly believes that she's hideous, basically. Uh Because even the people that love her, like her grandmother, is still, like, giving her milk baths to try and lighten her skin and all this stuff. And making,
0: like, little, you know, snide comments here and there. Like, well, you know, if your daddy wouldn't have married a white man. Or white man. Black man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dark (laughs) black man. Anyways. It's true. And there's this really compelling yet sad little storyline where she basically there's this one bully that like just torments her oh, and then me. she ends up like meeting up with him and it's like it's classic like stuff like this uh, not to this degree but like has happened in my old life do you know what I mean it's just like this
0: it was, ugh, it, was it was this one people, right bully um that comes in and makes you feel like a little tiny peon and then kind of uh, what I, here's what I was thinking of Kippen. It was normal people at the, we, yes, we had a yes. beloved conversation over this book, um, called normal people. And I can't think of the author's name, but it was phenomenal. There's the same concept where it's like, you know, the cool person kind of comes in and then the kind of, you know, little dork kind of goes on the side and they kind of have a little fling, even though in reality, they would never acknowledge each other in public. And, you know, that, that really, that really hurt me.
1: <laughs> really yeah. All that. She basically ends up like hooking up with this guy in a barn every night, or every once in a while, when because she's so desperate for love and acceptance, and she's willing to just like be that person, which is so sad. And I was so happy that Early catches her Me at too. some point. Can we talk about Early for a minute? I, was, I enjoyed Early. I I really loved him, and I was kind of sad when she. What I thought was she kind of cut that story really short like early is actually a bounty hunter and sam desiree's ex-husband hires him to find desiree and he doesn't realize that when desiree and early were young they had kind of this flirtatious relationship one summer um And so, when he sees who he's supposed to be looking for, he basically catches up to her and he's like, hey, this is what's happening and kind of throws him off her scent. And then they end up kind of being in this relationship where he is on the road a lot, but then he comes back home to Desiree um, every couple of months. And, like, they just have that kind of relationship for their entire lives, basically. And they... It just, that happens really quick and then it just cuts off and then all of a sudden Jude is an adult and it goes on to Jude's story. And at first that bothered me because I was like, no, I want to hear more. Like I want to hear more about Jude and, or I want to hear more about early and Desiree's relationship. But I did feel like that was satisfied at the end of the book and I got what I needed and I actually loved Jude's story. I thought that was maybe the most interesting part of this whole book was learning about Jude and Kennedy and then a little bit of Stella like that was super engrossing to me and I wasn't expecting it to be I I liked those
0: I, I felt the same way you did whenever early uh, because I think maybe within like the first paragraph of uh, Jude's story it talks about like how or uh, she doesn't like early and I was immediately like what do you mean like why, why doesn't she like him? Like because he's kind of written, like you know he's he's doing this great thing for Desiree. Or, I mean, I guess Jude's a child and doesn't realize, but you know, like you said, uh-huh. you know he makes the dad who's abusive and coming after her like totally, he's unaware and like doesn't help him out. And and so I felt the same way. I really liked Early's um, personality too. Like you said, he was real simple, but he he also just had like a good little heart. So Mm -hmm. I will say that was one of my qualms with the book is there's three different times throughout the story that there's um, you have to, it was, it reminded me of the unhoneymooners where you kind of have to really make yourself believe like of all the people in the world he's, sent <laughs> a, he's a crush on. And then there's two other times that I was
1: kind of like, okay, now I'm trying, but you're bringing me along. Right. It's like the fates, the universe yeah. has aligned to make this so bit fanatical. So when, <laughs> so one of the other like huge plot points of the book, and I did not see this coming at all was when, Jude gets to UCLA. She very quickly um, like she makes some friends, but then she meets a boy at a um, at a Halloween party, I think it was. It's mm-hmm. dressed as a cowboy. Oh my gosh, what is her boyfriend's name? Reese. Reese, yes. She meets Reese, and they quickly have this like very close. They basically become best friends. Like, and he's described as super handsome. Is Reese black?
0: Yes, it said he's pecan colored.
1: Okay, (laughs) okay, I had to sit here and think about that. I was like pecan. I was like, I guess that means black. For I thought for some reason at first I was like thinking he was Hispanic. Oh, well, there, there's, there. But I think you're right. I think he is black. He's yeah.
0: He's definitely written to be. I'm pretty sure the pecan was the color, mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but I I was also really shocked by this. Cause like you said, Reese right away is like, okay, I'm like really dark skin. I'm ugly. And they are Jude.
1: Jude. Oh
0: yes. Sorry. Jude is written this way, but it was really interesting. So, almost right away it talks about how like she kind of can't believe uh constantly reese is described as a doll so in other words Mm -hmm. very attractive everybody's kind of like wow like and i guess maybe they are a little unevenly physically um you know they're not paired correctly where people kind of make a little comment here and there, kind of like oh like well basically like hang on to this man or how'd you get him (laughs) Right. but yeah that storyline that was another one it was really Hard to read at times because there was so much sadness until the very end of it. And you're like, okay, like, you know, you made it to that point. But a lot of their early relationship was really tough because you find out almost instantly um, that Reese is a trans man. And so and and all of the trauma that he's dealing with on top of all the stuff that Jude's dealing with. And so them together, how basically Jude is crazy about him. And, like, really loves him. And he just kind of... Is that what you thought? That he just kind of wouldn't allow it to happen at first? Because I was really...
1: I I think that Reese was so broken. And I loved his character from the get-go. Because he was so honest with her from the very beginning. Like, they had this friendship. And Reese is a photographer. And there's a scene where they're in the dark room. And he's explaining to her where he came from, um, why he's here and why he doesn't really have a relationship with his family anymore. And it's because he's trans and like explaining that to her before they ever get into a relationship. And I respected that a lot because I was like, Oh my gosh, is this going to be the kind of thing where like he, she kind of, he strings her along and then springs it on her or whatever. And, um, He didn't. He was just, like, very upfront because I think he wanted just to be purely love for who he was. But, yeah, it took them a long time to get together because he's so guarded. And even when they do become in a relationship, like, anytime they're intimate with each other at all, like, he is fully clothed, like, barely wants to be touched at all because he's just so, like... I don't know. It's very interesting. And, like, there's just so many themes of just different experiences than my personal life in this book. It's very mind-opening and, like, it makes you think a lot about and have a lot of compassion for people who are going through these things, especially in this time. Like, this is the... (laughs) I don't know. At this point is it like the late seventies?
0: This is, I think, right around the eighties. What I yeah, thought was going early on 80s. was that this was around like the AIDS crisis because it talks about. So they they have a lot of like um, LGBT to
1: yeah. friends
0: and and so it's kind of starts talking about how they kind of a lot of them start like kind of dying off and i was really like what the mm-hmm. heck? and then i kind of thought like well maybe that's what's going on because most of these were um
1: men who were gay and so i thought like that's kind of the only thing where i could think or either you know it didn't say abuse or anything but but did you think that reese like had aids and that's why he didn't want to do anything no i just mean more of, so it talked
0: about so I will say another character I love was Barry. Barry, Wolf. yeah, love Barry. <laughs> I have a lot of little comments written down about Barry. Barry was the person who took Reese under his wing. Uh, he was a drag queen at night. What was he during the day? Like a teacher? I think it said he had like like dorky <laughs> glasses. And I can't
1: guess. <laughs> guess who I see playing uh, playing Barry in um, a movie? I truly cannot. I don't know. It's it's got to be Tadric. Oh. <laughs> but see, I mean, I guess, gotta be I guess
0: you're right. He has enough like versatility because that's what I kind of kept thinking is is that it made it sound like so it was Barry, but then like his drag queen name was Bianca. And I kind of mm-hmm. think that like Bianca was this really vivacious. And I thought like it's really hard to separate, you know, if depending on what kind of personality you have, like it'd be hard for me. But I don't know. I was, oh, that's true. I but enjoyed. you know,
1: I, I mean, you look like you watch Drag Race and you see these like these queens I'm, without I'm, their makeup on and they have like no eyebrows and-
0: you're what the perfect example is Alyssa Edwards what is, oh my gosh yes. his real name is, is it Justin yes Who, I'm sorry is the oddest looking <laughs> man <But laughs> is, you know, drag queen is literally one of the best dancers I love you know, I do love him on a RuPaul but What was I gonna say? Something rather. We
1: we digress into drag (laughs) queen culture, but that it's like another thing that we take it. We take all this for granted too, a little bit. Is like, for example, drag queen culture has exploded in the last like five years and become way more mainstream. I mean, RuPaul's been around for a long time, but like drag race is huge now. Like people are more. Comfortable and familiar with those terms, and they're they're just people are more comfortable and familiar with seeing black faces than they were before. So I, I That's mean, there's.
0: Did you think Barry was black? By the way,
1: yeah, I think they they're all black.
0: I ne- I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess you're right. It
1: probably would have made sense with the Tom, but mm-hmm. anyway, sorry. Yeah. So. Jude ends up taking a side job as like a caterer and she's trying to help earn some money to help Reese um, pay for his top surgery, which is what he wants to do. And so, yeah, and eventually like they actually do become in a relationship and they're together for the entirety of the book and they have a very like solid, they have a loving of relationship. It, I felt like yes. of every
0: character written,
1: oh yeah, they
0: were the most solid like they
1: for sure together
0: the whole time never arguing i um, know like really there for one another so um, this was the second part that i on this had to happen for the book to progress i get it but this is the yes. second part where i was a little bit like huh so while she's working as a uh caterer or you know well, assistant to a caterer mm-hmm. in walks this girl with what color are her eyes supposed to be this real violet blue, right? like yeah, yeah. Like very very like beautiful I guess white woman comes in and then behind her, she sees the image of her mother and she realizes like, Oh, this is my aunt Stella that has up and left the family. And Mm -hmm. then comes entranced with finding more out about her. And so she, she gets in cahoots with her cousin, Kennedy. I, I
1: realize that like, it does seem like a stretch that she would be catering a party where Stella would be attending it's more believable to me when one I think about like they're basically like at an elite party not of like hollywood people but like I don't know it's like a lawyer or something uh like that's an
0: investor or something right
1: yeah they run in these like circles that's true. and it this is to be very very swanky and like has a lot right. of family money and right and so like those circles are like fairly small of these extremely rich people that aren't like in show business in los angeles i'm sure that that circle at that time was like fairly small this is like a respected caterer who and if you think about it like these people if they find a good caterer who they like they're probably passing the name around a lot and then the uh but like on the flip side the other thing i thought about was like the fact that I feel like most of the time, if you're keeping a secret, like, it's gonna come out at some point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just, like, that's how it goes. You cannot keep a secret like this forever. And so, in some ways, if it wasn't Jude seeing her, it would have been something else. And, like, so that's why I could believe it. Like, it doesn't, It it's not crazy to me. That somebody would have figured out where the heck Stella was after all this time, because she's alive and she, she's living a normal life with her actual... She never even changed her name. Like, she's got, you know, a married name now, but... um it's actually surprising to me that early couldn't find her. I, like
0: when she did not change her last name, I thought this Yeah. Cuz I agreed with what he said about changing your first name like okay that would be good. Yeah. But yeah, she never changed that last name. He knew she was up in Boston. I was like, come on, no.
1: I think it just must be that they got married in Boston so she changed her name for good and then moved and then they moved all the way across the country. So it's like, there's no internet. There's no I couldn't paper imagine, trail. But
0: this is like a really wealthy family. So like, wouldn't you yeah. list it in the paper or? It,
1: uh, very true. I don't know. I, I thought the same thing though about like, why the heck are they not together? Okay. But then early was also like very hesitant to even pursue it. Right. Cause he felt like she was bad news, which she kind of was.
0: Well, and he kind of knew, too, that she, one, was alive, and she had the choice, or he assumed, at least, you know, she kind of had the choice to come back, and she really chose, like, she just wanted to leave, and she didn't want to be who she was anymore. Yeah. I have, this is what I've been, I wanted to introduce Kennedy. (laughs) I cannot or could not get over this whole concept of like lying in the book. And so you already mentioned, but how Desiree kept lying to poor old what's her face saying like, we're going to leave. And she knew, I'm assuming she grew up in the town. She had to know what her daughter was enduring. At the very beginning of the book, she, um, her mom asks her, like basically, why are you not dressing your daughter in these kind of drab colors? I think she put her in white, and so it was kind of showing or saying like the contrast of like the white and the and the mm-hmm. little hair bows and like saying like how her dark skin is going to be so prominent against it. So you know, I just kind of thought like, okay, one, why are you lying to your daughter? <laughs> and then two, like with Kennedy. Uh, Stella is constantly lying, or, you know, her whole life basically ends up being a lie, the latter part of her life, and how that changed who Kennedy became. You know, she was so written as this very entitled and spoiled, oops, sorry, my alarm's going (laughs) off. but she's written as this very, uh, just just spoiled person, and I thought, like, how different would she be if she actually knew that her mom was biracial, like, that would, that would, I'm assuming, change her standing. Um, you know, from back then, like, and how different people would have viewed her. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. There's this really, even like beyond Kennedy, as an adult, whenever she's a child, um, there's a black couple that moves in across the street from Stella. And at first, like you said earlier, Stella is like leading the charge on, we can't let these people move into our neighborhood. But then she like, cannot help herself. She It's really interesting. You see Stella like alone in her house all the time, bored, um, just not much going on. And then she's kind of like this voyeur looking through her window, watching this black woman with all of these friends. And they're like beautiful and um, very elegant and like classy. And they're having these day dates with each other and just like enjoying each other's company and it reminds her of what she once had and she literally cannot stay away. It's like a moth to the flame and she ends up like kind of befriending this person but again keeping it totally shadowy like not telling anybody that she's friends with her denying it that she's actually fr- friends with this woman like to lying. husband. yes and even going so far to like tell her daughter that like we don't play with these people or whatever and but like this woman is actually very gracious to her i cannot remember her name loretta loretta is so gracious to her and she kind of calls her on her crap a lot but like i think because des- or stella is so pathetic to her at this point do you know what i mean like she can yeah. tell something's up i well i was kind of thinking
0: about that so everybody else in the neighborhood like really shunned this family and so and at one point the i thought it was really interesting how um, when she's got her she has a group of girls over and they're all black and they're talking and they're kind of talking about how they're wanting to get their daughter in I guess I'm assuming it's an only white school but it's the local mm-hmm. all the local neighbors and their kids there and that one of makes a comment basically like you know this is your daughter's only life to live kind of like don't make her have to suffer because you want you know you want her to have equal opportunities like allow her to kind of have these you know Good opportunities, but still not going to, like, put her in that position.
1: Uh, Yeah. And anyway, they end up, like, having a falling out over something Kennedy says to the daughter. And then, like, that's the only little blip back into that world that Kennedy has her whole life. Um, Kennedy is, again, someone I can picture literally perfectly. I'm like, this person definitely exists and... I think I've met her before like she ends up growing up super wild she's not super close to either of her parents like very spoiled the total opposite of Jude like she's more like Desiree and Jude is more like Stella like Jude is introverted Kennedy is extroverted um Jude is very smart and bookish and like Kennedy is like even down to the fact that Kennedy becomes an actress right. and the shining moment in Desiree's life where she felt like the most alive is when she played Juliet in the school play. And like how sad that is for her that like her right. shining moment in life was in like the ninth grade. 15 years um, old. Right. And so anyway, after that happens, somehow Barry ends up getting, because, being in a play with Kennedy, and when Jude finds out, she's like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I have got to get closer to this person because she becomes obsessed with like finding as much about Stella as she can. Which I kind of get. Like, though,
0: I um, would a hundred percent be a Jude in this situation. Yeah, no like, way I could turn away. Um,
1: totally, like just the visperacious curiosity over who this woman is that looks so much like her mother and who's like this figure in her life so she ends up getting like going as far to get a job at the theater and like ingratiating herself to Kennedy which I totally understand why Kennedy reacts the way she does even though she's a brat the whole time and like takes advantage of Jude anyway it's like way too easy for Jude to even get close to her because Kennedy is so spoiled that she's like of course this person will <laughs> want to wait on me hand handed foot. But like you're
0: right but that should have you know in most people you kind of think like a little light bulb will go off and be like huh asking yep. a lot of questions about my mother and not about yeah. me
1: <laughs> anyway like so after um they're in this play like uh stella and jude actually meet and stella wants nothing to do with her of course we're like coming up on 45 minutes so I'm trying to <laughs> <Accelerate> shove, <me. laughs> shove a bunch of stuff in here but yeah Kennedy kind of lives this like little wandering lifestyle it goes through the she she wants to be an actress but she's not that great and she's she's pretty but she's not like gorgeous and so she just is you know her, her highlight is like being in a soap opera for a couple of seasons and then she never really goes beyond that um, but for the next you know probably five years she challenges her mother on what because jude ends up telling her like where stella comes from and what what she really is and and she has a
0: couple memories that her mother shares her mama told her when she was a little girl that she was from mallard and so and the the daughter mentioned so that's how she kind of knows that there is some truth there even though it seems so you know right she's like okay i know that it's a little bit of truth
1: yeah, and, like, I actually respect Kennedy because Kennedy doesn't seem like – she seems fascinated by it, and she seems more more upset that, like, her mother is a liar mm-hmm. and that she can't trust her mother than the fact that her mother might be black or colored or whatever – like that doesn't That's seem cool. to bother her. It almost seems to like make her feel a little bit special.
0: That's true. And and eventually, uh, when she moves, so she moves to New York City and kind of tries to pursue, um, tries to continue pursuing her acting career. She actually ends up dating a black man, and I and she makes a comment how she's black, and then the you know she's she has this like what was it insane? I think blonde hair, and so the guys mm-hmm. like basically like yeah right, but she's like, <laughs> no no, there's actually a little bit of truth in this.
1: Okay, her boyfriend was the other person I pictured perfectly as Cheaty from The Good Place. Yes! <laughs> I was like, so oh, true. I love you, Cheaty. Except
0: for I thought he was a little bit more cool. This guy seemed a little more... Oh, totally.
1: <laughs> totally. But yes. I think he's like a Haitian professor. Yes. Super, super smart, <laughs> like handsome in his little horn rim glasses. Maybe
0: she based that character off there. I guess he's not Haitian. I guess he's
1: actually... I think he's African, but still... <laughs> Um, yeah very similar storyline isn't isn't it interesting too like you can tell when stella meets him whose name i cannot again can't remember because i'm I'm not an undertaker. um but it's it's interesting like how intimidated she is by him like because he's like obviously probably like a dark black man but so smart so well-spoken she actually calls him a snob like she thinks that he's very uppity which is rich coming from freaking stella like living in bel-air right anyway
0: and also very at this point i believe at this point she also is teaching right so like she's went back and got her degree she kind of yep. found a little bit to do so I, you know as the same or having the same profession. It's kind of like.
1: hmm. Mm-hmm. Lot about you. So as they drift through life. Jude and Kennedy. Run into each other. Kind of by happenstance. Another time in New York City. While. Um, while Reese. Yeah <laughs> Reese is there for surgery. And I don't know. It's so interesting. Because they're so drawn to one another. And like they both are so interested. In one another's lives. But when they're. I think Kennedy's too prideful, and Jude is just like doesn't care enough. You know what I mean. Jude's got her own good life that she's living. Right. She doesn't want to waste too much time on Kennedy.
0: Jude, I don't know if we mentioned it. She's in med school. I was yes. so proud of her little character. I'm like, come on, girl. <laughs> yes, You're right. But because I, I thought that too. If I was to find out, um. That I was to have a long-lost cousin, especially a first cousin. And not only a yeah. first cousin, but your only first cousin. Yeah. And I know that I would be so engrossed. I believe uh, in New York City, they exchange, or she gets her number. And, like, it talks about how she goes, was it years without calling her or something? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I would have went home. <laughs> <laughs> the second i got to my house phone i'd have been like dialing that number i had been like honey let's get together let's plan a family reunion yeah like we need to be friends so that was really interesting they that she kind of allowed it to be separate even though she had this really or Kennedy had this personality where she really wanted to know more
1: well and then there's this whole part of it where Um, Kennedy eventually like leaves her very stable relationship with this professor and Mm -hmm. leaves New York and starts traveling the world. And like it mentions how sometimes she pretends to be Jude that she's on break from med school and she has a boyfriend at home named Reese and like pretends and tells people that she's black or tells people that she's white or kind of tries to play all these characters because she has no real sense of who she is, what she is, anything like that. She's all mixed up. Whereas you have Jude, who's just like steadily plugging along, having success, finding happiness, and also still having a good relationship with her mom. That made me really Mm -hmm. happy. Like I was afraid once she said that like, you know, that she'd never go back to Mallard, that that relationship would kind of, wither away which made me super sad for desiree to like lose a daughter after losing a sister and um but she yeah she makes a point to like see her mom pretty often and as often as she can
0: i love whenever there was one part where her mom called and like she just i think maybe she had ignored her last call so she like had to pick it up and so it was just like this kind of sense of you know she really wanted to kind of you know she didn't want to like disappoint her mom and like she really wanted to like keep that relationship i wrote about kennedy um here's my last note on her it says kennedy's life is pointless question mark because she's she's just this kind of um rich daughter of somebody and she just kind of flounces around and never really is like happy like you said she her whole um like the biggest job she ever gets was she was on the show for three seasons. She was like a minor character. And you know, and so it's kind of like she just never really was happy. And I that was what I liked so much about the end of the book is I really appreciated how it emphasized basically how even though Stella made, you know, she thought she was making like the best decision for herself and, and Desiree kind of, I think, felt maybe like she, you know, I think Desiree ended up feeling like, okay, I'm the lesser twin. I'm working, you know, right down the street from where I grew up. I still live with my mama. I ain't married. Um, You know, and all these different little things. She ended up definitely having the better life, much better life than poor old Stella. And that was another point I was going to make and I've already lost it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Stella does come home once. And not even because she wants to reconnect with her family, but because she's so Terrified, she like demonizes Jude because she realizes that's where all this information that Kennedy has is coming th- from is from Jude, and she's like, "That girl's up to no good." Like, little does she know, and she doesn't even want to know about her niece. Like, she doesn't. She calls me uh, like the dark skin girl. Yes, like it's <laughs> okay. so horrible. It's like, wow, maybe you'd have, like, some pride if you knew that your own niece is, like, going to med school while your daughter is out doing literally nothing. <laughs> one <Going laughs> drugs constantly. <laughs> yes. So she goes home to Mallard. Um, and by this time, her mom has pretty severe Alzheimer's, which is sad. But also it makes, like, her transition coming home, she's only there for a day, a little easier um, and they kind of reconnect, but that, that was a really sad point when I realized that after she left, they just like, never talked again. Like that was it Kennedy and Jude talked and it says that they never told their mothers about it. But the fact that like, that's, that was it. Like she was so committed to her lie as miserable as it made her in the long run, it, it, sh she couldn't move past it. That was, it really was
0: sad. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what I really liked was, so, like you said, Stella, and it never really, it doesn't really go into deep details. It's kind of, like you said, just, she lives her life with Blake. And it was also, not at that point, but earlier in the book, it kind of talks about how they kind of grew apart. You know, he didn't really like that she's working, but they don't have any kids at home, or they don't, you know, she doesn't have anything to do. So, it's kind of like, well, why not? Uh-huh. While Desiree, after her mom passes, she ends up getting I'm trying to name her. What was her job? She was called Mama D. I might flip back and look. So she ends up doing like a little job I think she
1: works in like a call center or something.
0: I think you're right. So it's not even necessarily that it's like a big job, but it's like she feels a little bit more fulfilled. She has people around her that like her. Uh, her and Early finally live together, and he takes on a job at like a refinery or something. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of end up with this like, this happy little life, like, You know, maybe they're a little impoverished, or maybe they're not anybody highfalutin. But, like, they're just happy with who
1: they are and, you know,
0: just not living uh, with a lot of regrets.
1: Yeah. So, this book is definitely not, like, the most exciting thing in the world. This is not The Great Alone, where there's, like, crazy (laughs) crap happening every second. But it does really, like... It makes you think and it makes you kind of just stare in the face of some very uncomfortable and, um, I don't know, what's the right word? Like, there's just lots of gray areas. In a book about, like, black and white, there's a lot of gray areas that you have to look at in this book. And it makes you kind of just think about where you stand on a lot of things and i think you're totally right it's a
0: book that's going to make you uncomfortable because i mean there's just a lot of uncomfortable thing happening things happening a lot of themes that are you know like not really positive and things that you want to think about but yeah um i wrote down a quote at the very end of the book where stella and kennedy was really this is also i don't think we mentioned it Kennedy is gives a picture to her mother, a literal picture of her, and Stella <laughs> is still saying, "No, that's not me. I, I don't know who this is." And I'm like, "I know, get out of here." But I'm eventually, I'm like, <laughs> on. Seriously. After, after I guess you know a little bit of time she does kind of say like, okay, you know what? You're right. I went to Mallard, you know, I I talked with your aunt and like, she kind of allows her daughter to kind of be in on the secret. And she, she thinks, and this was like, like a little quote that I thought this was really crazy, but it says her daughter who would forever be the only person in her life who really knew her. And I'm like, think about that. Like you have one person in your life who doesn't even really like you all that much. And they're the only person (laughs) that really knows all about you. Not even your spouse
1: not even his spouse right and they just fundamentally like didn't understand each other at all because kennedy was constantly trying to impress her but she just felt like
0: right she didn't really they they didn't have yeah. similar interests and she wasn't really uh-huh. proud of her and she felt like a disappointment and
1: it was totally this, the thing where it's like stella kennedy was exactly what stella thought she wanted just like everything else and then it didn't turn out the way it was supposed to
0: Which I guess that's the huge theme of the book. Like, sometimes you think that you know exactly what it is you want, and
1: then it ends up not being great. (laughs) Not great at all. And it's, I mean, not that Desiree knew everything about Stella's life, but it's like a rare instance where you can literally see yourself traveling a different road and how it turns out. Like, that's kind of when you have like a, a very close sister that looks exactly like you living the opposite life.
0: Right. And everybody in the town I, I wrote this down too. Everybody in the town thought that Desiree was kind of like the dumb one. Like they talked about mm-hmm. the barber says playing white to get ahead was just good sense. But Mary and the dark man and right. we like, you know, they, they all really thought like oh Stella's gonna have this better life. And and really like we like we said at the end, it really wasn't that case. It was Desiree kind of was who she was and ended up being happier for it.
1: All right. Well, another good book done. Um, We're going to come out with a list and hopefully by the time you hear this, it will already be up. We're hoping that you'll read along with us this season. Um, We'll have six books that we're going to tackle over the next couple of six weeks. And um, yeah, I hope that you read along, listen to our episodes Drop us a review if you're actually making it all the way through. <laughs> we appreciate you listening.
0: Yes, thanks so much for joining us. All right, Kippen, I will talk to you later.
1: Bye. Bye.